You are now listening to Well, Well, well Phila Now. Like, oh my god, did she just murder him? <laughs> oh no, his perfumist. Misandry. <laughs> yes, misandry. Oh, poor man. Ladies, serial killers are the best. Well, she's never going to get that stain out. Nothing says it's over like running over your ass. It had to be a woman. It had to have been a woman. Are you wearing it? Wait, how big were her breasts? <laughs> Hello, hello. Hey, humans. We are still locked down. (laughs) Uh, Well, that shouldn't be a surprise. And we should remain locked down for another few months. But I don't want to talk about Rona right now. I don't want to talk about the ridiculousness. I'm sure we'll touch on it later. I want to talk about what the fuck just happened in this episode of Killing Eve. Management sucks. Episode two of series three. And it does. It just finished. We just finished watching it. And... Wow. Wow. My favorite parts. Well, there's a lot of favorite parts, I guess. There are a lot of favorite there's parts. There's a lot of stuff to discuss, but mainly the equilibrium shift by both Eve and Villanelle when they found out the other bitch was back in the scene <laughs> with a gangster lean. They were like, oh no. Right. Villanelle literally had instant vertigo. No longer could hear sound. Right. No right. longer could see inputs. She was in her own head <laughs> and thing. And poor Eve, her stomach did so many flips. She was trying to have a cigarette to, to calm her down. And the cigarette was like, no, 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 we not. We need to puke. Actually, you are this nervous and this affected by this news that you must upchuck. And that's that's a certain kind of thing. I very rarely have had upchuckness or throwing up as a emotional response but it just happened and in those rare rare fleeting times it's happened you're always just like what the fuck right wow that is that that was so oh, Eve. i know for the both of them they're probably like to that moment lying to themselves at least half successfully like yeah it's fine i have this under control yeah Psst. not even worried about eve and eve's like villanelle who and the minute their respective handlers that are supposed to be retired handlers, but still seem to be doing way too much handling for the two of them. Okay. Like, oh, hey, your bae's back in the scene. No, no, you're incorrect. That's not possible. Absolutely not. And like, actually, um, it's true. Right. And so we're ready for you to get back on your, your clownery and your bullshit. So our plans can go the way they need to go. Yes. I mean, ladies. get this train on the track. I mean, it's already been two episodes. There's only six left. I need it to be, I don't know. I need it to make sense. There's no train to track. Because we know they only see each other one time before episode five. So you just have to, you have to rest in it. You have to get comfortable with it. It's a week away now. This begins the countdown, the seven day countdown, officially six days 22 hours right. and whatever. But this is it. This is what's happening. Whatever we get that will be the fuel to send our girls in whatever direction for the rest of the series happens next week. So there it is. We are either going to be on cloud nine or not. But I just don't see how Suzanne could give me my my girl fight, my cat fight, my Sappho influenced fisticuffs without me being like, 10, 10, 10 across the board. Now, I fully admit that I'm biased. I'm pre-biased. So if you guys are going to be looking for that intellectual review for me next week, I'm going to tell you right now, um, <laughs> delete that from your lives. Please subscribe to Zoma Jack Crack, where we get very intellectual. But no, nope, it won't be happening next week. I just want to let you guys know ahead of time, ahead of time, if you'll be looking for rationality, if you'll be looking for level-headedness, if you'll be looking for objectivity, it won't be coming from Candace. Find those criticisms elsewhere because it's, <laughs> it's not going to happen. I'm getting my fight. And I, at this point, I'm like, Cloud makeup contour, bitch. Are we getting a kiss? 
Bitch, are we getting a kiss? Because I, and that's what's fucked up. No, 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 that's what's fucked up. Because after the episode ended, shout to all of you motherfuckers. You know who you are since we went on live, that you keep sending me clips, you keep sending me things. It's like you want to send me into a fervor fervor, of insanity, a fever dream of villain Eve. And you did it. You succeeded. Uh, If you saw my last tweet, however many minutes ago, where I was like, "Um, okay, I'm feral. And it really was just about someone sending me the clip. Because I got a bunch of clips to sneak scenes. I was like, thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. But then the last one was Villanelle recording all her messages for Eve that she was thinking about the teddy bear. And it's a wrap. It's a wrap on my sanity in terms of what that's going to look like. And I'm just like, oh, yes. In Suzanne, we trust. You killed Kenny. But uh, it looks like you're going to make up for those pains and those toils that you put us through with some Villain Eve content that I've been waiting for uh, since series one. Was that yeah. True? Yeah. Yeah. Uh. We're going to need more than pretty clothes. I just know that. I mean, so here's here's hoping that. What that mean? We're going to need more than pretty clothes. Because when we lost Bill, at least you got some pretty clothes out of it. Oh, you mean for Eve. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? How are you framing that? I'm trying to line up the reference. Because I know that's what Villanelle says to Eve. Where right, she's when like, Villanelle oh, took out to Bill. Right, but Villanelle did not take out Kenny. But since we lost Kenny, we need a W to match the L, because that's a big L, and that was really soon. For but I to- don't know why you seem to think Suzanne has any responsibility to be <laughs> <She's> <laughs> equidistant with her deaths. But that doesn't mean she works on The Walking Dead, and they deal in pain and tragedy. So I don't know why you assume that she's like, let me balance out the that's tragedy true. with some levity. No, no. She could be like, let me balance out the tragedy with another triple dose of tragedy. And considering how I seen Carolyn's just tear hovering in her eye. She clearly wants to bring me all the pain I can suffer. She was like, look at this tear. Look at this tear of Carolyn. Look at this tear of Villanelle. Look at Eve. And I was like, oh, okay, bitch. You put my top three hosts in distress and um, it hurts so good because I do, I'm, I'm enjoying the dramatic content, but like all of my ladies are in the dofuls. They are upset. They are moody and they are unhappy. It's been some time since I've been in this mood. Not since I didn't even want to bring it up, but not since... Ah, uh, I don't want to bring it up, but it's been some time since. And when I would get in the mood Yo, like this, what the this, fuck are you? I t- can't Why bring are you it doing up? this? Now you have to bring what up? The, what? The helicopter crash the from Grey's Anatomy. Crash. You're a hoe, right? You're and a dirty, I was trying to hold dirty, on to it and not hoe. say it because I didn't I, need anybody else to feel all of those feels. And it was like, Shonda, <laughs> did you break I'm, up with somebody this week, Shonda? Because every single time I feel like you're having a bad day, you want everyone else to have a bad day around you, and I don't need. <laughs> Shonda has Shakespearean tendencies. She, she enjoys does. tragedy and she enjoys like the suffering in terms of putting her audience through it. And considering all the the ups and downs that were delicious that I did enjoy in Grey's Anatomy. I can't be mad at it too much, which is where I am with Villain Eve. Like, I like to go through the throes of ridiculousness. Just I want the journey, like where I get, where I end up in the journey to be worth the journey. So as long as my Dark Eve Rising trajectory is ultimately what we get at the end of Series 3, and there are some articles and interviews and things that have come out since we last spoke to you guys from Sandra Oh that make me feel better about it. <laughs> so I'm not even going to get into that in this because we'll have enough to talk about, but we'll save it for the snack, a uh, midweek snack, which probably will be coming out at the end of the week because Rona and time schedules. But yes, yes, yes. Wow. This episode for me, I don't know what you guys, was better than, better than the episode one. Oh, I would agree. Because obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but my number one thing 
about episode one that I enjoyed a lot, besides just drunk, dirty, messy Eve, which is just where I need her to be, was Villanelle's wedding, despite how absurd it was, just because it gave confirmation of my headcanon of Villanelle, of just her not being okay, despite what she says. But there was a lot of other stuff. Like we said, there was exposition, there was, we're setting this up for here, and ultimately, we're giving Kenny all this screen time because he's gone. He's gone, you guys! And so, it was mostly a setup episode. Here are our players, here's where they are, and at the end of this episode, Here's the thing that sends them on the new mission. And so now that we actually have the new mission, which is Kenny, I'm happy to see where our characters are going. Carolyn is in a, a very different place. I said maybe two or three times during a live, I was like, Fiona Shaw, Emmy 2020, just whispering it out into the universe. The way those tears are hovering on her eyelids, I just feel like that's Emmy worthy. That's Emmy worthy. And Constantine, Constantine, what was I yelling about last episode, you guys? What I said about Constantine can't trust that motherfucker, can't trust him as far as you could throw me. You could probably hardly throw Constantine. And he has showed us this episode that he's on his fuck shit. What did he say to Villanelle? I never stopped working for the 12. Really, Lord. Constantine? I... How she didn't murk that motherfucker right then. Villanelle has more self-control than people give her credit for. Because I I'd have murked Constantine right then. Constantine showed up and I'd have done him like Anton. But that 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 bye. The 12, if you have something you want to say to me, you better say it through Dasha or somebody new. Because don't bring Constantine back here. Don't bring him around here when he talked that shit and turned his back on me and walked up the stairs. Like, bye, Villanelle. And now you hear in a bitch's flat talk about, hey, I missed you. You look good. Bitch. It wasn't my idea. It never is. She should have made him bleed. Like you were saying about the log. Right. Everything. That would have just... actually been perfect time for your log, even though I was like, there's no time for retribution for the log because we've been so far removed and she's upset about new things. This would have been the time to hit him with such an intense, blunt object that the visible bruise and bleeding right. is on his face because she hit him in the gut and I hope in the nuts. And we can't see what happened there. Just his doubling over. But right. I would like blood. Blood would have been nice. What was it that you said when the listener said blood on the dance floor? Oh, that was you. That was you saying blood on the dance floor. <laughs> Wait a minute. I might have been. I'm, I'm channeling a comment I saw from a listener laughing at you talking about blood on the dance floor because you and your ridiculous palastry theories thinking that any type of fisticuffs is happening on a ballroom floor. I'm so mad at it you. It would have been nice. That. No. Why? It would be nice. nice for them to have a slow dance. It would be nice for the rhythm to return to Villanelle's hips. It would be nice to have that, but it would not be nice to have Villanelle walking in with her hair down all slow and shit just for Eve to knock the shit out of her. Like, I don't want that. You know what I'm saying? I like strife, but not like that. <laughs> not like that. Ah, my high. This episode, I was going to give it to red but i'm not gonna give it to red to red you know what i'm gonna let you have that let me just <laughs> i was gonna give it to red i'm not gonna give it to red i'm gonna give the high of this episode to the push and pull of this damn door and ease energy to carolyn and constantine on her way out so this is basically in the first few minutes of the series that's that's the where, episode yeah ease energy to constantine post drink <laughs> well post a few drinks after she was fighting with her zipper. Eve wakes up and has a drink. First she brushes her teeth, <laughs> then she brushes her teeth and has another drink. Like, this is where she's at. It's deep, deep state alcoholism, and I love it. It's the kind of alcoholism where you're so deeply, so far deeply in denial that you're just a curmudgeon when people bring it up to you. Like Eve is, where you're like, oh! Because you're ready for someone to say some shit about the fact that you literally always have a wine glass. Like, Eve was literally like, B-Y-O-B. Bring your own booze to the funeral. Which is why Paul was like, bitch, I know you're going to be drunk soon. Because you've been <laughs> drinking all day. We can tell. So what was the low? What was your low then, if that was your high? Eve struggling with the door. Uh, Carolyn in the kitchen. Like, just, I guess, everything washing over her there. She felt, it felt like she felt 
almost neutered. Like she was like, I can't do anything. And I don't like seeing my Carolyn not being able to think her way out of her problem. Phrasing of it. Hmm. Like it's just weird because it's almost like she could try to do something, but someone is watching her do it and is telling her she shouldn't. Well, I would also assume, but I said before, actual red tape. She still works for a government agency of which there are checks and balances, and there's literally no law enforcement grouping anywhere in the world, whether you're working on a local situation like the police or the FBI, Interpol, CIA, whatever. Ethically, you cannot be involved. It's just the way that it goes. And so I'm sure Carolyn said that same thing to think you are compromised, the same way that a doctor should not operate on someone they're very close to because the closeness of it may compromise your objectivity when something starts to go wrong you won't be able to think right. clearly the way someone else might. And so that's what it is that Carolyn was thinking clearly when she was dealing with Villanelle and Eve, which is why she was the one the most chill in Rome, where she was the most de-stressed. She was the least anxiety ridden. And so now with Carolyn, she's too compromised to have anything in hand, which at her level, everyone at MI6 knows now nah, we can't we can't have that be out of hand. So time to bring in someone else who potentially is at Carolyn's level, which of course she's not going to like because she's a type A. She wants to do things herself. But at the same time, this is one of those situations where it's a non-negotiable. I think that's the general frustration that most people would feel, especially if you're used to being in a capacity of solving problems. That right. now a problem has happened to you personally. And so naturally you want to solve it, but you can't because the things that are required just make it impossible. Especially because Carolyn loves to break the rules and everyone be completely and entirely in her face about this Kenny thing. And she would get fired. You know, she would get, uh, what is the, the British version of like being court-martialed or just like called in to the brig of whatever it is to be like, you've committed the treason against the country because you were supposed to do this one thing and look at this list and someone un- unravels a scroll <laughs> and it's like it five rolls, blocks right. long. And like, <laughs> Carolyn, we're going to start here. And it's March 13th. 1972. In March 13th, oh and she's God. like, oh, shit, y'all bringing out the whole dossier. Damn. <laughs> Do you have anything to say to fool yourself, Carla Martins? You only yes. live once, uh, no? Right. YOLO. No, she'd say, management sucks. Mm, <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what she would say. Exactly. Like, we all have to make some, some concessions. I mean, no, no. Life's full of compromises. So I had and I lost it. I had what? No, I had something that I was going to add and then I lost it. <laughs> it came and then it flew away. Oh, gosh. I just had this random Irish film pop into my head and I wanted to do like a movie reference. But it's the most obscure thing in the world that the likelihood that anyone would hear it is absolutely absurd. And it's just this part in the film where <laughs> this little girl's like, look at Jamie sailing away in his cradle. <laughs> why but it's one of those things where of the movie you know like sometimes just one or two lines just stick with you forever yeah. it's that line wheel a jimmy sailing away in his cradle um if anyone listening to this for some fucking reason knows where that line is from if you know if what you the fuck i'm talking about listen right child. the fuck in i'm gonna give you something cool i don't know what the fuck it is yeah but i will figure it out and it will be cool please let me know so we two can have this inside joke together Anyways, um, guess we should just get back in and watch this show again. Yes. Uh, we come back to recap. Yeah, so I guess we'll be right back. While we run through Management Sucks one more again. Holy fuck, bitches. We back in this. We back in this. And of course, there's nowhere to begin except the beginning. And so you already know where we ended. We ended. I love how you be using the same phrases every week. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. 
I'm so creative, y'all. I'm so You're creative so, and inventive. It's the wig. It's the wig I, that I you know. have all right now, and it's greenness. It's my Billie Eilish wig. It's enhancing your clownery I'm and taking it to the next level. <laughs> I wish I could laugh is. at that because I understood the reference, right. but I don't. Right. No, I I'm know. sorry. She doesn't know like any of, of Billie Eilish. I don't know music. any of Billie Eilish, uh. except that she has green hair. So we are, uh, this wig and this clownery has us remember start at the very right. beginning. So we end with Eve by Kenny's body, Kenny's pasty body on the floor. And uh, she's just trying to figure out what to do. And instead of us finding out what was done. We don't need all that. I mean, I know you do. You, for your clownery, you need all that. time jump. And, and we get a time jump to what Candace said. What did Candace say? Funeral. And you out here, you, you know what? That's why I love the palastri <sighs> theories because they're always so far-fetched that I can always count on having a good time. But I knew it was going to be the funeral. I'm like, how do you kill Kenny and not open up to the funeral? How do you do that and not take us right to the aftermath, which is not going to be the morgue or some autopsy place. It's going to be days after, after the story has been concocted, the files have been changed, everything is going on. And then we see the Kenny aftermath, and that's exactly what they gave us. So the first shot is an overhead shot of Eve. We Even see this rain. overhead shot. We've seen this uh, rain uh, jacket, anorak, whatever you want to call it. We've seen it. Um, she's out there, uh, cigarette pack. She has a drink. Whether that drink came from home, I'm going to say that she was classy and that came from inside. She was already in. So Tina Turner's I Can't Stand the Rain just came into my head. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know if anybody knows Tina Turner songs, but it did. But poor Eve. She's being super emo, as is appropriate. And I said BYOB. It's possible she could have got that glass <laughs> from inside the function. But I think she brought her own booze just in it's, case it's nobody possible. was serving. Right. So she's here she is uh, just breathing out out front with her cigarette with her empty glass with her empty glass glass. uh a bus uh, pulls up in view it says worry grief regret let it all go and eve is like (laughs) shut up like she is every time she sees that kind of advice uh she goes to pull out a second cigarette because you know one is not enough for some reason she's chain smoking anyone who chain smokes know you got to get the other one out before you finish it times i guess you know and then so she drops it and it's raining so you know now the condition's poor it's poor poor conditioned cigarette where she picks it up it is moist it is something you would not want to put on your lips even if you were a smoker, I don't care how. I don't think fast. Terrence has ever actually been a smoker because he would know as someone who's been around um, probably way too many smokers that they would. It really <laughs> depends on how much you need your fix. You dry the shit out. And if it's still something you could light right now, you light it. If it needs to dry, you light it later. So Eve absolutely kept that soggy <laughs> cigarette. I know Terrence would rather that she did not. But no, no. When you are smoking like that and drinking, it's because you are not trying to be in your normal state. When you chain smoke, it's because you want the buzz to keep it coming before it's actually done. That's Eve. I get it. Because she either has a cigarette or some booze. So that's how she's living her life in denial. So while she's, uh, I guess, factoring out her life choices with the soggy cigarette, here comes the, here the, come the vape cloud uh, or whatever. He blew his it electric, into her face. Right, his electric. Well, I don't know if it was electric. He said she should go electric. And I know people who vape can create a lot of smoke. I didn't see what the fuck he was smoking. But also because he's a man, I'd be like, oh, did I ask for your opinion on my health? Sir? I was like, is that, I a, did not. is that a pipe kind of thing? It was a weird pipe looking like thing. You can have uh, vaping pipes. 
because it could just, you know, change the shape. But I really thought he was smoking a cigar or something, which makes it even more ridiculous that he's like, you should go electric. It's like, take your own advice first. Yeah, she didn't have the energy for anything he was saying. I was trying to just like cut it short, walk away. Well, um, that's because he starts making more remarks about her you, vision. I heard you talking to yourself earlier. She's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, she's like, mind your business. She's like, mind your business before that. Then she's like, mind your business again. And you drink a lot. I was like, <laughs> she's like, um, I, maybe this is like the thing that you do for Eve says something about like, look, I don't know what this is. It looks like flirting. It looks like het flirting. And here's what you need to know. I'm no longer into the head flirting. Not even a little bit. Keep it. If this worked for some other bitch, bitch, it's not working here. So just stop. And I just, I have to say, as I will keep saying that this energy from Eve is me living my best life. Her telling everyone, especially the dudes, to kick rocks. It's incredible. She has no time. Think about her in Rome. With fucking that dude, hey, you want to go for sushi? And that wasn't his accent. It was Russian. And she was, okay. (laughs) And I understand she was trying to not get murdered at the same time. But this version of Eve, there's no politeness. There's no nothing. She's the kind of woman that like a guy's like, oh, hey. And she's like, what the fuck do you want? He's like, oh, ma'am, I was just trying to find the time. (laughs) Definitely that. Um, And as she's trying to, you know, definitely dismiss this. uh, No, she does. She goes inside. This. Well, there's an attempt. With an issue with the and door. Then, um, right, because um, she's trying to push her way in, and he's like, it's pull, by the way. And she, <laughs> you know, she receives the information, and she goes in, and... He has been rude. Again, I don't know how you go to someone you don't know and comment on their personal habits and expect for them to just what? To just have a conversation with you and not cuss you out and not leave, which she does. And he follows her in like a stalky man. And he could say to himself, it's because I was Kenny's boss and I'm interested in what his friends knew or whatever. But it's still very creepy and very stalky and very rude for men to not listen to a bitch. Boundaries! Don't just follow somebody, which he fucking does. And of course, Eve gets even more upset. It's true. As he's talking about her drinking. She's like, bitch, I'm not drunk. What the fuck? Why are you such a fucking dick? And when she says that, everyone's like, oh, wow, hey. It's the it's the lady with the wine glass again. <laughs> Throwing another scene. And what? then she talks to no one where she's like, oh, I'm not really drunk. I, I'm not I'm not drunk. He's just saying. And it's like, Eve, who are you talking to, girl? <laughs> who are you giving that explanation to? I don't have to take this. I'm going to the bar, which is what she does. Of course. It's her favorite place to be. She's had enough of all men. And I, I understand that. That jaunt entirely. I was happy I was able to rewatch this because is this when they give us that title card? Well, there's a title card of the location, but then there's an actual intro, which Killing Eve has not had before. This is the first time. If I've somehow missed it in my mind, you guys can let me know. But I'm fairly certain that this is the first time in all of the series that any such intro has been applied. They didn't do it in the first episode. So why now? It's weird. weird. I felt like there weren't enough minutes for content before. So now that I know that extra seconds is going to be invested in this naming of the Tusu. But maybe not because it wasn't even in the first episode. Right. And other new people were in the first episode. So I don't know what this choice was. It just seems like somebody was like, listen, I want an inkblot intro, bitch, and put it in the shade of pink. Do it. They got it. I don't know. Maybe this will be a thing we won't know until next week to see, does the inkblot intro return? Does it go away? Does it become something new? Place your bets. I'm going to say it morphs. That's my only answer, because I just don't know why it's not in episode one just to be in episode two, unless it's also going to change in episode three. So I'm going to go with that. And I will probably be wrong. We'll get Killing Eve again in different colors. The drip into 
a version of ink blotting or some other type of thing. Well, I think they might switch the intro altogether. Hopefully, there's a pattern we can see with the story to be like, this is why they decided to do it. When uh, we resume from this uh, listing of character names with Kimball, y'all, we actually get Constantine at the bar. And at first, when I first watched this, I thought that Constantine was talking up his... uh, his his delivery as far as him ordering the drink with how effective it was what? because Eve was there and cut off. And so... I mean, I know what to chat about. I thought that the way how Eve was looking at Constant and Constant was explaining why he was ordering his drink the way he was. He was like, no, I'm not getting it because I'm rushing. I'm getting it because it works. Or like, a, it's effective. And he was like, well, what do you want? And she said, gin. So it made oh, it I, look like that she... That seemed like you invented fan fiction because Eve was like, bitch, give me that gin. <laughs> Paraphrasing, but gin, as we have recently learned on Gentleman Jack Crack, is has quite the punch. And so I'm happy to see that. Eve out here drinking gin and tonics or gin straight, which is even more. And here's Constantine with his little anecdote. When a bullet has been in you, it leaves something behind. And I'm like, Trace, Trace medals? Because scars scar tissue it does constantine bullets leave so much behind and you would know considering he, he you were was shot over last here series. right right he was like you know can't even hate this and then of course constantine it was his choice um, out of pocket out of pocket because now you're trying to gaslight eve into the suicide and then when eve starts turning up like oh bitch no 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 we're not gonna push the kenny suicide story on me and she's justifiably mad after he's like because he jumped she essentially is like you know what bitch of course you think of no one but your goddamn self get the fuck out of my face and walks off in a huff well she well, almost she, made constantine it. constantine is constantine like well, let me let me leave right. let me leave she tries to storm in a direction but she accidentally runs into uh well, she you turns know. and she runs in the pod where her drank that she right. just refilled. And she's like, oh, my bad. I'm so sorry. And then she sees it, who it is. And she's like, oh, it's you. Oh, it's you. Right. Fuck let me, off. Let me take my uh, uh, put my manners away. Right. She goes the other way. And then eventually ends up talking to Red or Bear, as we've learned his name is, and asks if he does work at the Bitter Pill. And before she can even really question Bear about what he does at the Bitter Pill, here comes Paul, a.k.a. Jamie, again to be like, oh, hey, are you asking by the Bitter Pill? It's me, Jamie. I am the founder, editor, the man, the person who owns the stuff, the person who runs. Like, if you want to know stuff, it's me. And he sticks out his hand and Eve is like, bitch, excuse me. Right, right. <laughs> I got to go. Misandry. And Jamie's just like, oh, wow. Okay. So that's the third time I've tried to talk to this hell and she has no time and space for me. Still not taken as a hint, but you know, whatever. Plot. We just gonna, just gonna. He's like, if you have something you want to share. And she's like, nah, bitch, nothing I want to share with you. Mm. And then from there, we see Eve in go the into the bathroom mm-hmm. to hide for a second where Dredd is crying in the mirror, presumably about Kenny, as we learn later that they were dating. And Eve goes into a stall to sit and hide. And then Carolyn comes in looking sad and kind of awkward for a moment as she sees Dredd crying. She's like, oh, um, tears. I don't know. And she tries to go into the stall Eve is in, even though there is an out of order sign. Eve quickly is like, no, bitch, holds the door. And Carolyn maybe stands for another awkward beat before exiting the bathroom while Eve watches her through the crack. I'm wondering if she saw Eve enter the restroom and was trying to get catch her there, but it wouldn't have been a one-on-one for her to begin anything because Dredd was in the bathroom, so it was like... Mm, yeah, who knows? And <sighs> I don't think moved. we'll ever know. Someone fidget. The crying at the, the mirror, like, I get it, you're crying. I, I I should be sad, so maybe you can take your sadness somewhere while I handle well, business in the bathroom. Why would you say that when she told the girl not to be embarrassed later in the app? 
Oh, yeah. But I, I personally think it would please Carolyn because Kenny, as we knew him in the first two series, he was so isolated. He had no real friends. It was it's his mom reckless, until yeah. the whole thing with the 12 opened up with Eve. And so I would think that for Carolyn, even though she doesn't express her emotions in the way that everyone else does, that that would touch her deeply to know that her son was so involved with someone else that they could cry like that for him. Because Carolyn cannot cry like that for her son and she won't. But someone should cry like that for Kenny. All Eve is doing is drinking. And she might have cried yesterday or the day before or whatever week they didn't show us in between Kenny dying and Kenny's funeral. But for me personally, my head cannon until it's disproved, I think it gave Carolyn comfort to see that there was someone else who loved Kenny deeply and is deeply hurt and can express themselves in a way that is perhaps more organic and certainly more expected than a person like Carolyn who is having a very hard time grieving in the typical way. She's doing it in her way, which is like the Elena way, which is like denial, which isn't necessarily good for your psyche. It's it's British, you know, you just keep it buried. They they went over that series on the first episode. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to discuss it. Just want to keep it buried. Okay, fine. Why was he not that British? Because Dredd is not burying it. Dredd is crying. So there's only a certain level of Britishness. Because I feel like you could be a British mom and still cry about your kid. But that's if you're a regular British mom, not an MI6 badass bitch like Carolyn, British mom. But anyways, poor Dredd. She's in there crying in the bathroom. And then you're thinking like, oh, um... I guess something might be going on potentially between Dread and Kenny because why is she so upset? And after we get out of the sort of bathroom situation, we see Constantine approaching Carolyn and he just kind of puts a hand on her shoulder and she takes it in a moment and uh, you just get the idea she knows who that hand is and I don't want to say my dirty joke in these dark times. Sad times of Kenny Dest to say why she recognized that hand, but <laughs> you guys can read between the lines about why she knew that hand <laughs> on her shoulder was Constantine's. And I really love the way this was played because it seems like she's taken that comfort for a moment before she's just sort of like, oh, back to, oh, can you make sure everyone is topped off, please? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if she was saying that to Geraldine or Constantine, but she was saying it to somebody. She was like, whoever hears this, make sure people are topped off. I got to go. Excuse me. And that was sad. It's a funeral. And also, Carolyn is indeed wearing white at her son's funeral, which is so wonderfully Carolyn. Just love it. I mean, it was a nice jacket. And then Constantine, after just watching Carolyn sort of like roll off and go someplace else, he ends up walking to a table with snacks. And Geraldine is over there, who we now have in the scene. And she tells Constantine that the crisps are a safe bet because he's looking at the snacks like, what is this? (laughs) And Geraldine spends a couple moments like listening to him talk. And you can tell she's having this sudden moment of realization. And she's remembering a childhood memory where apparently she had a nightmare one night that Constantine Tino's over engaging in the 12 slash MI6 fuck shit with Carolyn. Probably something to do with those postcards. And he comforted her. She had a nightmare. He comforted her, told her a story, and also taught her a cuss word in Russian called, what was it, Mordak? Yeah, Mordak. I was so talking Mordak. I don't know what that means. I didn't look it up, but hopefully it's fuck. I will fact check myself Constantin after Constantine laughs a uh, belly laugh. Uh... <laughs> I do love that Constantine laugh. It's adorable. Is this uh, ultimately broken up by Carolyn requesting a remix to the, the, the playlist? Yes, and I actually think it was Carolyn trying to get Geraldine away from Constantine. Like, yes, okay, maybe the music was not to her taste, but... I personally am of the thought that Carolyn is not naive enough to assume that Constantine doesn't know anything about what's going on. And so given what has happened to her kid, even though Geraldine is a pain in the ass, I don't think she's up for losing all of her heirs in one fell swoop. And so I think she just kind of wanted to get Geraldine away from Constantine because already we see that that little bit of familiarity that Constantine established at the funeral 
or memorial was enough for him to talk to her and fake bump into her in the street and plant a bug on her. So Carolyn, if that was her being cautious, she was absolutely right to be cautious there because Constantine can't be trusted. And of course, Geraldine is like, why, mom? Sometimes you just got to feel it. Got to feel the sadness, okay? Just got to let it wash over you. And Carolyn's basically like, oh, so we can't have good music when we sad, though? Like, we can't have good music <laughs> when we're sad is really my question. And of course, Geraldine is like, okay, so I will... I will go change the music, mother. And she does. After she steps away, Constantine is now speaking with Carolyn. She keeps it short with Constantine. And then Eve is heading on her way out. Mm, and it's Eve. I've, I've left you several messages. Yes. And Eve is just still struggling with the door. And Carolyn's like, it's push. It's push, by the way, dear. It's push. Um, can we talk? Can we Can we speak? And she tries to talk to Eve, but Eve interrupts all of that to be like, let me just figure out what page you're on because I just spoke to Constantine and he said some fuck shit. Um, do you think he jumped? Do you think he jumped, Carolyn? Do you? And she's like, um, yes. And that was the wrong answer for drunk Eve Pilastri, who gets mad, shirks the shit off of Carolyn's arm off her shoulder, and then screams no, no. in her petulant way three times. No! 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 And I love it because by the time she's Bloody done- hell. Everyone is back looking at her. And I just know, I just know that somebody at that memorial is like, wow, she must have been really close to Kenny because ever since she got here, she been, she been wilding the fuck out. And no one's really said anything to her because, you know, people are grieving and so it's expected. But holy shit, wow. Because she made another scene and she was done and Carolyn had to be like, oh, well, you know, she didn't like the buffet. That's what it was. It was the buffet. And honestly, the crisps were the only thing there worth eating. So I get it. She finally got through that door. She was like, mm, she had a little fluttery by. <laughs> The way she pieced out that just sort of petulant wave by, I love it. So messy, so out of fucks. And if only Villanelle could see her right now, this was my argument for the end of series two, is that Villanelle wants a messy Eve. And right now, messy Eve is here and she is showing no signs of going away. So if messy Eve could still be, if messy Eve could still be here. Next week, you guys, for when unstable and thirsty and anxious and heartbroken, but also rejuvenated because her lady's back in the world, Villanelle sees her. If she could just see that that Eve has leveled up to where she actually wanted her to be, which is a fucking hot murderous mess. I know I added murderous, but that's for hope. I just, I will be so happy, you guys. So happy. I already said 10 minutes scream intro is probably going to happen. If it does, rather, I should say when it does. When, right. We'll put a note. Just say, skip ahead. Skip ahead. 10 minutes, 45 seconds. But after we finish that ridiculous intro scene, which of course had to be the first scene of stuff, we finally go to Villanelle in Spain. España at her new palace. Which is not a palace, but that's what I'm gonna call it because who the fuck needs I mean, a place that big when you have no partner and no kids? Villanelle, where's your wife? Villanelle, she can't move <laughs> into the palace? You are so rude. I mean, it's beautiful. The The water has good pressure, apparently. We, we we see her work out and check all of the things. They meet her standard. She likes it a lot. She, she we, we see her do the thing in the one of the promos where she's singing out of the doorway or window. Window? Mm -hmm. Terrace. I mean, terrace? it looks like a really it's beautiful... A it's a beautiful... Yeah. It looks like really old architecture, so that's nice. But you know what I think about shit like that? I'm like, who's gonna dust? Who's gonna sweep, Villanelle? <laughs> You? I don't think so. But yeah, so it's a beautiful place and she's checking out everything. She's going through all the corners. She's turning on the faucets and she's like, you know what? I think this place is mighty fine. And then suddenly we see Dasha. Mm -hmm. What did I tell you? 
Only the best. I just want to talk about Dasha's fashion for a second, which I said to you gave me rich Florida old lady vibes. You did like retired. It's very specific. This concept of like tiger print, leopard print, because she has on a Mm. leopard print shirt and she has on what looks to be obvious couture pants, but the pants have tiger print and she has on gold chains. And so it's a very specific <laughs> look that generally for her age group and where she would have been at her prime in the seventies. And the fact that she does criminality and seems to be a bit of a misandrist. I'm saying rich Florida old lady vibes. Watch out. She might murder you or poison her husband. That's what Dasha is serving on these looks. And I dig it. Love a good gold chain. I love how we know that Villanelle loves this place. And as Dasha is going over all the amenities to the place, Villanelle's like, uh-huh. Mm, yep it was good this was beautiful like Villanelle's eyes on the prize as far as what she wants which is to be a keeper so yes this house is Villanelle's never gonna be a keeper right this house is nice but it's not what I asked for I mean I'm happy I got it and it's great it's good I'm not gonna say no and I'm not gonna say I don't want to live in it but it's ultimately not what I asked you for so it is wait how do you say no the bitch was like more money more cool shit more power. So how is this not a part of what she asked for? Oh, it's a part. But it's not going to make her forget about what her goal is, is what I'm saying. No, I don't think it will. But I don't think Villanelle's goal is to be a keeper either. I think Villanelle's goal is to take out members of the 12, which is why she wants to be a keeper, which is why she'll never be a keeper. <laughs> and also her bad her bad management this episode has tanked that shit. But yeah. So after her and Dasha initially meet up in Villanelle's new palace, they are at a cafe and Dasha is smoking and Villanelle with her typical rude self is like, you know, bitch, you'd look 10 years younger if you stopped <laughs> smoking. And I love Dasha's response, actually, because she was like, bitch, why the fuck would I want to look younger? And I was like, oh, yes, I like that. That's good. You are settled into your looks. You love you. And you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm good being the age that I am. Thank you. And I appreciate that. My love and appreciation for Dasha goes up by the episode. And of course, Villanelle sees a pretty gal uh-huh. walking down with some gams. Nice. She's like, oh. She's like, nice gams, ma'am. This is a nice neighborhood. (laughs) I really like it here. And of course, Dasha clocks it because she's like, "Mm, okay, I see what's going on here. It's good for you to have many lovers. I don't know what accent that was, but I was like, Dasha, are you queer? Now, here's me. Here's me projecting onto everyone onto Killing Eve. That is cool that they're queer, but also Killing Eve does it to me for me because of what they did with Felix and Paul and other people they brought to the show that they were just decided, oh, these people queer too. I'll take it. I will take it. I'll take all of the queer murderers. And after Dasha says the, the lover quip, She's like, it keeps you nimble and shit. And Villanelle's face. I'm like, Villanelle, is that ageism? You don't want to picture Harriet working it out? I hope she's still working it out. I hope she's still blowing a bitch back out. I mean, I hope she is too. I hope that's how she keeps in shape. And after Villanelle's TMI face, because she doesn't want to know about Dasha's sexcapades, she adds to Villanelle. She's like, listen, bitch, um, you can have a lot of hoes that you bang, but date nights, movie nights, love and shit, like basically what you said in your speech to Eve at the end of series one, that's not for us. Winners win alone. And I was like, ooh, wow. Okay. Unless it's a team sport. But yes, winners win alone. I know she said that to one of her fucking partners back in the 70s. Right. Like sometimes it's a team of four. Could you imagine like the girl who worked her average down that didn't let you qualify for the Olympics and it wasn't you. So it's like, y'all want to kill her. Yes, y'all team, but like she's the reason why y'all not in the finals. So mm-hmm. winners win alone. Yeah, she's basically like, you can't go down that road anymore, bitch. Okay? 
And it seems like they're talking about Eve. I would assume they're talking about Eve. I would assume the drama, the story, the intrigue, especially because Raymond was trolling her about Eve, is out to the 12. They know that there's a woman named Eve. That First of all, they know Villanelle bangs bitches. And they know that she obsesses primarily about bitches. And they knew that there was a new bitch in town that wasn't Anna that had her attention and had her fucking the fuck up. So even though they could have been talking about Anna, I really doubt it since Anna is six feet under. They're talking about all the drama from Eve. The fact that Raymond's dead, that things went off book, that Villanelle did what she wanted. And that's a problem. And so they have a bit of an argument where Villanelle is annoyed. And she's like, look, I took care of it. And so I'm like, this has to be Eve, right? And by you taking care of it, do you mean shooting her, Villanelle? I was wondering. (laughs) Is that what you mean? I was wondering, do you talk about Maria? And I was like, hmm, but why? Oh, wow. That's that too, but. Because Dasha intrudes on wedding day. So it's no, like. No, I know. But because Dasha knew Villano before, I just don't see her seeing Maria as a threat versus knowing that Eve was a threat because all of the 12 knows that Eve fucked Villanelle up. She was yeah, sure. on the right page. She was focused. The minute fucking Constantine was like, there's a woman. She's leading a whole unit to find you. What's her name? Eve Palastri. She was done. <laughs> she was done. And the 12 was like, damn it, Constantine should never told her about Eve Palastri. We can never go back from this time. And so that's interesting. You think it could be Maria. I think it's Eve, but it could be either or because there wasn't enough information given to imply. Right. And I still. <sighs> but now that I'm thinking more about Maria, I'm like, it could be Maria because maybe Dasha's like, yo, kill that bitch. Like, I know I interrupted your wedding day. Like, did you murder her? Like, did you <laughs> take care of it? She's like, bitch, I did. Like, I, I went back last night. Right. We had three O's. I kept it short and sweet. And then I took her out. Okay. <laughs> Dasha's like, all right. After that scene, we are what? Back to MI6? Yes. And Carolyn is walking into work. Yes. And her lovely assistant brings her attention to her wrongly buttoned blouse. They are misaligned. And like a true boss, she looks at it and is like, oh, no, I, I like I, it this I way. I like it this way. It's cool. Let's go. And so uh, Agent Jahari, Jahari opens the door for her. Um, and he takes his seat, which is sort of like in the middle of the of the left-hand side of the table. You are here set. describing seat arrangements. Sorry, I, yeah. I just don't understand why. Go ahead. Paul's at the course, head of the table. Well, Paul's... Well, Sure, we could. We'll talk about Paul being at the head of the table in just a second. You were the one talking about seating <laughs> arrangements, but no. now you don't want to talk about no, who's at the head of the table. Am. No, Paul's at Including the head, but we'll get to number Paul. seventeen. We'll, we'll get to Paul because we see uh, two people getting uh, what is this water or some refreshments on the side, the the Grant Gustin type, and I mean, hey, and she's like, all right, well, let's get uh, settled in and back to work. She's waiting for like everyone to just come and take the seats she was like i guess well you know she's trying to start from the top and then all of a sudden up from under the table being as you know hard working as ever because he wasn't asleep or anything in the, in this office for those people in it is uh paul climbing up for air going carolyn uh we weren't we weren't expecting you for she steps inside to be like what up and literally everyone in the office is like whoa bitch what literally you had your son's funeral yesterday why are you here plus you're an executive level position mm-hmm. so you definitely don't have to be here paul answers for the class and he's like okay well how gallant of you because she just doesn't acknowledge the elephant in the room she's not like thank you for your condolences thank you for your text thank you for that piece of flower mm-hmm. in my new non-office office paul but instead, she just she's like, what, what are y'all talking about? Why wouldn't I be at work? Why wouldn't I be at work? And Paul's like, OK, um, all right. Well, um, have a seat, bitch. I guess we are about to uh, give the meeting. But there's confusion over who's giving the meeting minutes or something, because I this this was my fear talk, last talking week at the same time. 
Right. I was like, they cut it up. You told me that was like, it's the way they edit it. I was like, yeah, I mean, it is. But at the same time, I was like, I, but I don't want to think of Paul just talking over Carolyn like it's okay because it's not okay. And then I would probably get thrown out of said meeting. Like I just knew it. Like if I were physically in that room, I would have told Paul to shut up because I think the energy is if I see a woman talking, and then I see a man talking while the woman's talking. I'm going to need the man to shut up. That's my energy. And well, I always misandry. look out for that. Well, that's misandry. It's, it's consistent. So that's, that's, that's how it's supposed to be. If you're a misandrist, that's how it's supposed to go. Even his face when he was like, why don't we all just... Take five. Take five. His Take face. Five. His, his face. face was tight. His face was tight. His face was like, hey. Hey, Carolyn, it's my turn to talk. And she was like, oh. And he didn't get it. But the second scene with them was actually... I liked it. It seemed to have a piece of emotion in there. I'm glad you found and, it. Um, <laughs> well, it was in a following up scene. And it's when they're talking alone. And so I do think that, like, in my mind, if I were to write my own headcanon fan fiction, I imagine a freshman class of MI6 agents that involved people like Paul, Helen, Carolyn, and... Diane? Yes, Diane. So they are there. They are doing stuff. They are competitive as peeps should be who are potentially are type A's. They like to lead. And there's a lot of history there. Enough history there to say deep down there is something that is resembling a foundation. Because ultimately when you think about how Helen was talking about Paul. Oh, Paul bending my ear over his boyfriend. And the fact that Paul tried. He tried to have a piece of emotion and compassion where he's like, hey, just take time. Bitch, look, I may be a self-serving prick. You may be right about that. I'm a dick. I can be a fucking dick. I know that shit. But listen, girl, your kid just died. Your son just died and you need to take care of you because if you don't, you will self-destruct. And I presumably he's seen other agents and people, MI6, who've had their things go down because of cases or whatever. And he's like, I don't want this for you. You are still one of our best and most efficient leaders in MI6. So you need to take care of you. But Carolyn is in that place, I think, where she can't really take help from anybody. And if she does take it from somebody, maybe it's Eve Palastri because Eve is kind of giving her that I'm not helping you, helping you vibe, which is what she seems to need at this point. That did make the scene sweeter to endure because all in my head I was thinking of is, oh, remember all that overseeing versus taking over the, the desk? I mean, how much easier or harder would it be for Carolyn to maintain control for her being on mandated leave? Because she's going to come back and be like, well, who decided on this? Who who made this call? Why That's is true. this over there? But I also ex I would expect Carolyn to fuck up if she's not on mandated leave for her to make improper decisions that theoretically would affect all of MI6's interests, not just hers and what's going on with even Villanelle. So, I mean, Paul is still a dick and he still likes to mansplain, but he is not like Aaron Peel. He is not like Raymond for me. I think there are parts so far, just a part that is a redeemable quality because I got something out of that scene with Carolyn, which was emotion and That'd her having to listen to do something to try and take care of herself, which it looked to me when we see her later with Eve, she's looking more haggard and less together, probably because she had more time to marinate on what has happened to her son, which would be awful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So after that, we are back to Constantine, and he's in front of a store called Patty Power. I'm like, what does that mean? Is that like Irish power? That's what came to me. I don't know if that's accurate. Is that like activism? I don't know. But he's getting into a murder Uber after that from the 12. And there's a woman driving. I'm like, more women. <laughs> and he's annoyed because he's like, bitch, who are you? Do I really have to re-explain this shit all over again? I love how she doesn't answer. She's like, bitch, I don't. Look, they give, they tell me to drive this car. 
come over here and give you this message, not to answer your questions. All right. You send that text in to management or whoever, and they will answer your question. And she's just like, look, bitch, they just said you need to stay in London for a little while longer. And he's like, why? And they're like, well, you know, you got to monitor some things. The situation with your old friend, your old MI6 mm-hmm. friend, keep an eye on things. He asked how long, but it seems that he has no fucking power to ask about anything right now. <laughs> About how long anything takes, about when he's done. He is literally the bitch of the 12, which makes sense. Because why are you back in the shit unless you, unless you are somebody's bitch, Constantine? Well, actually, that's the question. Is that something that is new or has it always been this way? Because we don't know. Has Constantine always been this controlled by someone else? Thusly could explain part of his issues with how he controls Villanelle because he too is controlled in the same way. Or is this a new development of demotion, of lack of trust where they're like, actually, here are these extra people in between us and you. And do exactly what we say. You have no options or we are for sure taking you out. Yeah, I'm wondering when, right. When did the 12 just say, you know what, Constantine, we like you, but you're on the thinnest device right now. No, but that's the question. Is this how the 12 does things, business as usual? Or is this new business as usual with specifically Constantine? Because that woman did say they rotate. And so theoretically, that is the idea. Let's rotate people. Let's keep this anonymous. Let's keep these things unknown. Like when he said to Villanelle in series one and two, where he's like, oh, I don't get this information. Like other people have this information. Then I get information from this other person. What he did. Well, depending on the did, the did would have to be him returning towards... No, but they don't know that he's No, the with... did the did is dropping a dime about the 12 to Carolyn at the end of series one that had him involved with Carolyn most of series two until he betrayed Villanelle, but also because he was still working with Carolyn, etc. So if he says to Villanelle, oh, I'm, I've never, I never not was with the 12. I don't believe that because the 12 did take a hit out on him. So there was a moment, yeah, bitch, where you were not with the 12. No, I think, I think the same way how we saw Carolyn getting reamed by Diane for lunches, for you could, not even expensing the meals, like, Technically, of- I agree with that. I, I don't see how a government agency isn't like, you spent $3 on this candy. And you're like, really? Wow, really, government? They're like, actually, yeah, we need those $3. Because I, I wouldn't put past the government to be that fucking cheap. And especially if you fucking bang a bitch like Diane and don't call her back for weeks. Right. I mean, Carolyn, what do you expect? Right. And until Fiona Shaw or somebody else tells me, Candace, that's a lie. This is the it's, truth. It is the it's truth. It's the truth for Candace. It is Diane has truth. been so uptight ever since then. So I'm pretty sure that a constant at this point has a bunch of unsanctioned missions that he himself has been on with the 12 where there wasn't results yielded it's more like someone's got to answer for all of these losses that the 12 someone someone has to answer and someone's got whether they're the patsy or whatever it is like someone someone has to pay someone alive and who has paid for raymond (laughs) who is paying for raymond i'm just trying to figure out raymond seemed like he had a friend or two in the 12 if the 12 know anything i'm sure they know that villanelle and Eve killed and Raymond together. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, and, oh, absolutely. And, and, and they know. Then who they would know. They, whose eyes would they be on? Who else was at the, right. who else was at the, the hotel? <laughs> they sent Raymond to get Villanelle and Raymond never came back. So all you figure out is, so we sent Raymond to get her ass. We thought he could do it. He did not. And we didn't know that her murder girlfriend was with her at the time and they double teamed Raymond. And well. So uh, <laughs> do you have any updates for us, Constantine? Like, do you have any, uh, you have anything to say or anything and of course he's like well i'll think of something <laughs> yeah he's Which like I'll, I'll think of something i could give you those voicemails um we're waiting for your report constantine we need to know what's 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 the information right, what went down and he's over here like well mm-hmm. he just wants to get back to russia but i mean i i feel like when they keep you from home it's because you're not doing great 
That's at least funny to- that you think they're keeping him from home. I think he, again, that's my own opinion. He's saying he never left the 12. I think he did and chose to go back. And so whatever he's bitching about now about them controlling his life, you wanted that though. You could have stayed gone. You could have just minded your that business. Is true. You could have just minded your business, taking your fucking family and gone to another place. Leave the continent, Constantine. Go live in Southeast Asia, motherfucking Brazil. South America, any other place than where you are. Yep. That's just me. But you didn't. So after Constantine has his murder Uber meeting, we cut back to Eve, who is, she's doing her sapphic dumpling making, which I love. You have a visitor. Yes. And her face is like, bitch, who? Because no one knows I work here, which means, of course, that it's Carolyn. Because Carolyn knows everything. And she exits to go sit outside. And Carolyn reveals herself and starts with like a thirsty work. Thirsty work, I imagine. Because Eve has a Coke. And she tries to start talking about how she worked on a farm or something. (laughs) And Eve was like, no, bitch, I'm not here for stories. And throws her Coke can into the floor. And I was mad because littering, Eve, littering, when you can also recycle, is very upsetting to me. It's true. Luckily, it didn't hit the floor floor. It landed like one of the potted plants but still it's littering yeah a couple people said she left it for the rat that can drink from a coke can but if there's no coke left i know what is the rat gonna drink but it's a great callback though to a serious one for sure so carolyn's over here like well my sisphian line didn't work here but um I still do need you to know. She's like, cut the small talk. (laughs) I feel like that was Eve. Eve throwing the camera was like, cut the bullshit. I don't give a fuck about your farm stories. And Carolyn was like, true, true, true. So we both know that Kenny didn't kill himself, right? Like he was murdered. And Eve was like, "Uh, yeah, bitch. Yeah, we do know that. Right. She was like, well, um, I won't give anything to bring Kenny back. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's after Carolyn says she has to be discreet. So she reveals Mm. to Eve that, hey, we both are thinking Kenny had something malicious happen. Okay, great. So I have to be discreet. I literally fucking can't do what I would normally do to find my son's killer. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Eve Balastri, hey you, you're good at finding people. And that's what Eve is like, nah, bitch. Nah, bitch. Um, Listen, listen, bitch. I would literally do anything, anything, anything to bring Kenny back into this mortal coil. But you know what I won't do? Work for you. Right? Remember Rome? Do you remember Rome? And here's Carolyn like, don't be twee is playing through her. (laughs) her She was like, I probably could have used another word that wasn't twee. Uh, She's probably replaying that right now in her head. And the fire in Eve's eyes said that she was (laughs) replaying that whole scene. And Carolyn's like, okay, new approach. Villanelle approach. So if that's not going to work for you, if Kenny isn't going to motivate you, I have something, I have something that may interest you. Here's a manila. And she places the envelope (laughs) on the table. And I love the way Eve just looks at the envelope like, bitch, I said I don't want shit from you. I don't want anything to do with you. And Carolyn's like, okay, let me just open this for you because I know right you like the stuff she starts to slide the photo out and i feel like eve was getting a twitch she was like that looks like a murder photo (laughs) i haven't had this fixed in months don't you do this to me carolyn (laughs) carolyn slides it out all slow like eve eve she's back it's the the first thing since six months we thought she was dead she was dead she hasn't been active but she's active now she's back here's eve i I, I don't give a fuck my nevis did just have a tingle but i don't i don't care bitch this isn't me this is not what i'm doing this is not me okay it's done and carolyn's just like i just thought you wanted to know and it's like carolyn touche you know she wanted to know you know she needed to know and this is the first step in your plan getting eve back on her fuck shit step one tell her villanelle is still out there and to be sure once carolyn said goodbye eve was all out of sorts equilibrium was a mess right she was unstable she was like my eyes can't focus we get hit with a slow motion montage of her being a mess as she tries to go back to work but it's not happening she can barely walk let alone breathe till she ends up puking after stepping outside to have another cigarette she cannot have that cigarette because her stomach is I mean beyond the butterflies right I was like eh, well it's a good thing um dry storage where she was was kind of clean already she just got to mop that up 
Hopefully nothing gets contaminated. Sorry for those guests. What? Because it wasn't in a restaurant. I was talking oh, about man. where she threw up. It wasn't Why the bathroom. Why would you say something would be contaminated? I mean, it was dry storage. It's where you keep the things that aren't, don't need to be refrigerated. But don't things still exist inside a package is what I'm saying. Like, how do you put something in a freezing thing or storage thing without a package unless you want that thing to smell like the smells oh, in yeah, the storage? Oh, yeah. And that's true. And a lot of people don't think that far ahead because I've... My godmother I had a, like desserts a restaurant. That smell like she chicken. had a big walk-in right. freezer and right. I was like, this is, well, I didn't like it, first right. of all. Right, see, right. But I was young, and she was like, come work at the thing. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll make some money. Let me tell you, I lasted less than a week. I quit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know how you deal with hospitality, and thank you so much for this opportunity to make some little coins, <laughs> but I'm good. I'm good off this. If you don't fire me right now, I will get fired for how I will speak to mm-hmm. someone who comes mm-hmm. in here. Mm-hmm. And you don't mm-hmm. want that. Mm-hmm. You don't want that. I don't want to get yelled at by my mama because I, I lost your business. So, no. Why does my chocolate cake smell like ribs? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you why. I'll tell you how. Wait, Wait is that my job for the no, client? No, I mean, like, when, oh, with no. the fridge, with things are not wrapped and they're too busy smelling like the other things that's also I just in the fridge. I just feel like I could die in there. She sent me in there to get the thing from the freezer. And I was like, why is this a mini studio apartment in New York City? And why is it full of, like, me and weird shit? I've seen too just, many I, movies. It was messed up. It was messed up. Yeah. Me trying to get back to that and door. Right. You slip and slide. You're like, yeah, it's not safe in here. And, and the so. door don't want to open on the other side of it. And you know it's one of those hard freezer doors. Oh, my God. It was the most short-lived job I ever had. Lord, oh, Lord. So once we uh, return back, because we get a short break here, we get a deleted moment. And it's more of Paul with Carolyn. Just uh, him suggesting things that she could do. He mentioned, like, a colonic of all things. And I'm like, well, I mean, if you feel like she could do with well here's a scientific thing everyone probably could cleansing thine self is always a good thing and so maybe he's like cleanse literally and cleanse your mind carolyn <laughs> i can get with that and after the deleted moment we are back with dasha in more cat prints and gold necklaces while villanelle <laughs> i love it i'm digging dasha's fashion at this point while villanelle is in silk pajamas probably really expensive and she's asking about the upcoming job that dasha has her on and she's like listen bitch make sure your plan is clean all right, character works strong, okay? Make sure it's good, it's executed efficiently, like I did with you, like I did with you, you know, make him believe that he can be good. Show him, <laughs> instruct him, be a mentor, essentially. Oh, she also adds that management is shitty because it's watching someone else not as good as you do shit that you could do better. Wow. And I don't think Villanelle took that nugget in at all. Like she didn't absorb it at all because she did the opposite of what she was supposed to do on this job. And Dasha's is just like, look, you need to prove yourself. Okay. You need to prove you can train somebody. You need to prove that you can handle a piece of responsibility. And I love that Villanelle proved the exact opposite this episode. She had an yeah. opportunity and she failed. So I hope she's not looking for that caper shit next week, but she probably will be still. And Villanelle's obviously annoyed with this whole thing and Dasha being like, not yet. You don't get to be a keeper yet. You still got to prove yourself, which I kind of said last week was going to be a thing because I don't think Villanelle will ever make it to keeper status. And Dasha pours it on a little thick at the end there. She's like, listen, I believe in you. (laughs) (laughs) That was ridiculous. Villanelle had this like, yeah, right, bitch. Look at her face. (laughs) Like, really? Oh, this is what we doing? What did she say? So it's like that or. Right. Oh, so this is what you mean. This is what you, this is, this is what you're doing. And it was like a knowing smile of bullshit. And I appreciate that because that doesn't happen with her and Constantine. They sort of like leave it unspoken where with her and Dasha, it's like they both know exactly when the bullshit is happening and neither is trying to pretend that it's bullshit. She's like, bitch, I I don't believe in you actually. If you were to ask me seriously. Lord, oh Lord. And then we're back to Eve at the bar looking at Kenny's phone, which has a photo of himself in a football shirt as the lock screen, you guys. And I 
would love to hear what you guys think about that. I would love to hear what you think about introverted Kenny loving to look at himself on his lock screen with that yearbook looking photo. I just think it's very strange. It's something random in the episode that I'm just sort of like, why? Why not dread? Wasn't that his girl? He wants to turn on his phone and be like, oh, hey, it's me. <laughs> oh, Kenny, I just love that smile, boy. Yes. Yeah. I was thinking love of yourself. It's either uh, not another teen movie with Chris Evans with pictures of himself and not a mirror or that other boy from uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. Chris the Evans model was in not another teen movie. Yes. I've blocked it. Can't recall it. He was, what was the, the other jock. Oh, um, no, it's the whole movie uh, is gone. The whole oh, movie has it. erased itself. And then uh, the other movie is uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, The Model Ugh. Boy, where he was like, which which one of these do you think is the... Were you talking uh, about the one that was a dick that tried to date the younger sister? The yes. one who paid? Okay, I do yeah. remember his face, yes. And he had lots of pictures of himself, just because. Like headshot, headshot level pictures of himself. But that made sense because he was a narcissist. Right. And that quintessential, stereotypical 90s white boy that's feeling himself way too much when his hair should give him gaucheries. So that I understand. That makes sense. But Kenny, introverted right. Kenny, who right. misspelled, what was it, possibilities or whatever? Professional. <laughs> he misspelled professional. Evil's like, there's two. Elena's just so banging, I can't, I can't concentrate. And I'm now like, he's <laughs> out here with dread. I need to stop shading dread. And I feel like I'm shading dread more than I should because she's out here trying to replace Elena. And I'm like, you can't replace you Elena. You cannot replace <laughs> Elena. That dance move. You cannot. <laughs> you can't. You just can't. You just fucking can't. But they did. And I, I'm mad. So here goes Eve playing Inspector. Quadruple zero. Oh, um, she tries 6969. 6969. Agent <laughs> Eve Pilastri of passcode. One, One two, two, three, cuatro. She's like, oh, let me try. Let me try. Zero, 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 zero. Now, okay, let me try. 6969. <laughs> oh, that didn't work either. Mm, I'm stumped. <laughs> she didn't try Kenny's birth year. She didn't try his birth date. She tried no random combos. She was like, I'm good. And I actually think that potentially maybe the bitter pill dudes had something on his phone or had access to his laptop. You know, sometimes you can see what's happening activity on your other devices on your laptop, depending on if you have a cloud or something attached to it. Maybe that's how they saw she was fucking with the phone. Because right after she tries to open it those two times, she gets a call and she kind of was like, oh shit, oh shit, and doesn't answer. But then she gets some text to the phone that she can read. And what was the first text? I'm like, uh, I want to say it was like something like, oh, pick up, you bloody idiot. No, just pick up, you bloody idiot. And then the next text is like, Eve, Palastri, we know you have this fucking phone. And she was like, oh. She's um. like, bitch, who's looking at me? Who has eyes? Oh, wait. And then Jamie actually calls, aka Pa. And he's like, if this, if this Zave don't say anything, but stop dicking around and bring the phone in, essentially. And I'm like, oh, the last time we heard dicking around right. was from Elena's mouth. Right. Stop being that Stop dick. being that dick. <laughs> So Jamie gets it. He gets what Eve's energy is. And we get some follow-up texts after that to say, please. This is important, and you know it. After she hangs up on him, mid-call, by the way. He's in mid-sentence about dicking around, and she's like, oh, check this clip. Hang up. I don't have to let men speak to me this way. And I say, Eve, you stay empowered in your yeah. agency, girl. So clearly he is suspicious, and for good reason, about what Eve Pilastri is up to, what she meant to Kenny, and what she knows about Kenny's demise. And he wants to follow up and see what's up with her and definitely get this phone. So the next scene, we're actually at the bitter pill. Yeah, and of Eve's curious, so she asks Bear, so how'd you know I had the phone? He was like, oh, it was, uh, it was Bullocks, really. Um, he, it was a guess. It was a guess. Literally, like, you were the last one here, and the police don't have it. So, you know, <laughs> A or B. 
And she's like, oh, okay. Mm. And then Jamie's like, so why'd you nick it? Why'd you nick the phone? You fucking thief. You bloody thief. Why'd you steal it? And here's Eve lied to her teeth. I didn't. I didn't. I just didn't say I had it. See what happens. Right? Like, girl. I didn't steal it. I just didn't say I had it accidentally picked it up I mean, and took it but with you, me. But you didn't steal his headphones. You just steal his... <laughs> Right. You just steal the Rubik's. She's like, oh, I, um, it's because I wanted to see his beautiful face Mm-mm. while I was mourning in this time. Mm. But they're not buying it. I love how they're both playing this game of, so what was Kenny working on? I mean, he was working on whatever he wanted, but what is your interest with Kenny? Why do you have the phone? And I'm like, hmm. Well, someone's going to have to give. Well, they're both grilling each other. They gave a little something because she asked, like, why the fuck you have Kenny here? Which makes sense because realistically, in the real world, getting a journalist job is difficult without degrees. I mean, I feel like getting an internship in this fucked up world is difficult without a college degree. And you're like, wait, how how do I need a paid for college degree to work for you for free? That's weird. That's weird. weird. That is weird. But that's what schools are doing. And so he eventually is like, listen, um, because he had integrity, MI6, and he's good with like online shit, computers. So that's why. Um, so you, you, your turn. And he was like, I'm not giving you anything. I'm barely giving you anything. Let me ask you another question. And it goes back and forth like that for a little bit. And I kind of like it because it's for Eve, this is new for her. And this was stuff that Sandra O oh indicated in a lot of her interviews that Eve standing up for herself and learning to say no and not just be manipulated or cajoled by people into doing stuff is very important for Dark Eve Rising. And so I'm happy that she's telling everyone no. Eve is so insistent upon being in control of her life and her fate that I think she kind of has to tell everyone no before she says yes. Like she's telling Carolyn no. We know she will eventually say yes, but on her terms. She's telling Jamie no initially, but then she says yes on her own terms where she's like, okay, for the thumb drive. And then when she finds out those bitches lying, she's like, give me the phone. (laughs) (laughs) So I like this new, stronger assertive version of Eve that isn't afraid to speak her mind to all the men who think they know better than she does. Agreed. And even though like Paul was uh, giving her the energy of, well, you must have been involved because you took his phone and you wouldn't have taken the phone if you didn't think that whatever he was working on had something to do with your passions and your interests. And he was like, well, I'm not going to have you feel like you're close to the mark. I'm not giving anything away, but damn, you are asking some good you're good at what you do, but, you know, I'm not going to show. I feel like all that was behind her mask because I don't think Eve flinched at all in that meeting. Like, I think he was prodding in the way he probably should be able to if he's the founder of a investigative situation. Right. So ask some questions, prod. And he did that successfully. But she prodded the best she could. And he was like classified. And I'm like, how is something classified when you're a journalist? Now you could say, I'm protecting my source. But bitch, if you don't work for the government, how is something classified? If it's classified, why do you have it? How y'all here telling another civilian it's classified when you too are a civilian? Yeah, it that, doesn't make sense. Weird. Make it make sense. Mm-hmm. I hope they clear that up next episode because I was like, classified? What? Declassified, bitch. Put Eve on a team. And she eventually is like, yo, give me, give me Kenny's laptop. I want that. I want to see what's on there. Oh, it's clean. Um, And then we don't have a group cloud or anything that anything uploads to. And here comes Bear volunteering that. Oh, we keep on individual flash drives. She's like, fine. Good for Bear. Good for Bear. He wants even the shit. He wants even the shit. Paul was being a dick. I don't like his, his too much man energy. That was too much man energy. Like, I understand being curious and inquisitive because an employee of yours and potentially a friend met their demise and what you do is investigate weird shit and you want to investigate it. But there's a fine line to walk between pissing a bitch off and getting her on your side. And he was on the side of pissing Eve it's off. true. And I feel like that's the man jaunt of not being willing to compromise how you would approach something to get the re- 
results that you want because she thought he was a dick from the funeral. So he could have come out of her a different energy. Like, listen, we didn't get off on the right foot at the funeral. So let's start again. Instead, he still had more antagonistic energy for her. So that's why he's getting it right back. He deserves it. So they finally work out a compromise. Yes, I get access to Kenny's files and I'll let you try to see what you can pull out of Kenny's phone. Right. We will and, work together right. for the data. Hmm. Oh my gosh, so the next scene is one of my favorite and saddest scenes because we cut to Villanelle arriving to meet Felix, who looks like a baby. He looks like a 15-year-old, and Villanelle lets him know that he looks like a baby. She's like, how old are you, motherfucker? And he's like, "Ah, ah, I'm 19, thank you very much, okay? And I'm tough as fuck, okay? I have five brothers, okay? And I beat them all up. And Villanelle, so rude, is like, oh, did you? Do you have five (laughs) brothers? Oh. uh." (laughs) She made him take off his hat, that buzz cut. I was like, oh. I don't even have anything bad to say about Felix at this time. I I thought he was adorable. So I liked the buzz cut. It fit his look of what I expected. And if he would have had a mop top or something under there, I'd have been mad. So I'm so glad that he had a buzz and he was looking, well, it was, he was confounding because he was a sensitive soul. And like, I would say that he had anger management problems, but he potentially was on the anger management side, given how badly his kill went like I'm forgetting her name but the girl in jail spontaneously violent yes 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 Yes. Yes. (laughs) so I'm saying like if you do not have the tools necessary or the chromosomes or things necessary to control your actions in the way other people can you can't be held responsible for how violently you can respond to someone and so I don't know what Felix's deal is but I'll never know because Suzanne said we brought him in just to murder him within five minutes Candace sorry you're not gonna get anything so who knows if anyone's gonna be out there writing fanfic I just wanna let you know I would read it about Felix because he interested me agreed and after he goes on about his brothers Villanelle's like yeah well everyone can fight but it takes a special person to kill well I've killed I've killed loads it's like yeah okay and he's like literally I I used to be bullied and he's like (laughs) honestly like not just this one person, I, the sister, the father, the cousin, the best friend, dance teacher, and a grandma. <laughs> and by the time he says grandma, Villanelle's like, oh, well, uh, oh, well, well, that's, that is of interest. That sounds like a good group of murders right. in one time. And he was like, yeah, they were all together traveling. <laughs> At the same time, and so I got them all. Was that a five for one or six for one? Something like that. Yeah, they were all in the same station wagon or whatever they were in. Yeah. And then she's like, you know, just so you know, I'm kind of a big deal in this industry. I just want to let you know that you are working with a legend. And the villain, I was like, don't make me look bad or I'll kill you. Essentially, if you make well, me look bad, I will kill you. It was already, it was already and he agreed to it. We disagree. <laughs> we disagree. I don't think Felix made her look bad. You stay on that side. I stay on the side of save Felix. I have nothing bad to say about Felix's performance, especially as I'll point out that that Villanelle is a hypocrite for killing him for that. Yes, he says he's excited about the travel. The cute little thing just wants to see the world. I can show you the world, future boyfriend. <laughs> She's Take like, you wonder by she said, wonder. Don't let them expense the, the trip after the fact. Go for first class initially. I was like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. If you're worth it, that's true. Whatever. Empty advice because she never let him. She never planned on letting him get to that fucking advice. Villanelle. Rude. But the most touching part of the conversation is when he admits to Villanelle that he did it all for love, his murders. So she's like, love? And he's like, yeah, my boyfriend, we're getting bullied, homophobia. And I'm like, oh, the head's at it again. And similar to Anna, that after, presumably, this boyfriend learned of what he did, 
presumably to this boyfriend's family. He was not into it. And granted, you could be like, mom, you're a homophobe. Grandma, learn to accept me. But having your grandma's throat slit or something like that is another step that you probably weren't preparing for. And so it seems like Felix probably tried to show his treasures and his treats the way young Villanelle did to Anna to be like, look, look at this chopped dick, bitch. It's what you wanted. And his boyfriend was probably like, so when I said Ted Bundy was cute, I meant that as a joke. I gotta go. (sighs) I gotta go. All right. I thought you loved me. I I thought I did too, but you're a monster. And I would hate for Felix to hear that. But at the same time, he said he killed, what was it again? Sister, father, cousin, best friend, dance teacher, teacher, grandma. grandma. Best friend. Right. And then Anna, you killed your abuela. No, that's not right. Uh, So as he's cycling through um, this feeling of not having his love returned to him because he, he was very much in love. He starts to try to describe it with words that he doesn't have for himself. And while he's trying to do it, Villanelle is getting sucked into (laughs) this pain vortex of dealing with someone who didn't know how to return her love to her. And she has had this happen thrice almost. So if we if we don't count the manipulation of Anna and we only count uh, Eve and her energy, then not loving you back is like the Eve connection, but the after I after everything I did, he didn't want to know. To me, that deep chord striking in terms of her initial rejection is connected to Anna. But the love and not having it returned because it was returned from Anna for some time. And it wasn't until she uh, took her villanelle interpretation of how to end her and her husband's relationship that it went left. But Anna returned it. She took those letters, she took the gifts, and she was obviously given villanelle stuff that said, we are in love, I'm feeding into this stuff. Eve, it's a whole other situation. Because when you think you actually love a person or know a person intrinsically before you've ever really spent time with them, that's something else. That's a type of connection that is beyond the three dimensions we're in. It's in the fourth dimensional realm. It is in the realm of spirituality, things you can't explain, potentially paranormal events. But that's where they are. The indescribable. Describable, but indescribable. And what does he say? When you love somebody and they don't love you back, it's worse than... Well, I don't know what it's worse than, but it's really... And then Villanelle's like, shit! It's shit. It's shit. Right. It's shit. And I love it because in the next scene, she's like, the little girl, she's like, life is shit. (laughs) (laughs) She's got Eve on her mind and she's emo. 